This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, Pete? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week, we are starting a brand new quarterly co-host with an amazing gentleman who regularly blows my mind. And Ormel is just a very interesting, lovely bloke. Let's jump into the intro and I'll tell you some more about it. Let's go. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplit. What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is YouTube channel and podcast podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit the subscribe button and the bell so you never miss another episode and all of those thingamajiggies haven't said it like that but for a long time actually so you never miss another episode because that's youtube anyway i'm your host james mcpherson from risk fluent so we are starting a new quarterly co-host i'm not going to say too much about what we're talking about essentially what we're talking about is brand peter jenkins is our host for the next three episodes and he did something really interesting which we're going to we touch on um in there but maybe not as much as as we'd like to because it was so much for us to talk about um but we are really going to get into that in like branding a program and stuff in the next episode so i'm not going to touch on it too much but essentially that's why i got him in is because he does some really interesting stuff around brand within his safety work and i think it's something that we don't really talk about so i messaged peter and was like do you want to come and talk about that maybe do a quarterly co-host and in true peter jenkins style he emailed me back with like a mass amount of notes and i was just like whoa and when I say true Peter Jenkins style, if you don't know Peter, you're about to. I was a very kind of analytical type person. I, I don't really know how to describe it. He t- blows my mind. The way he talks, the way he thinks, the way his brain works, it blows my mind. I have to really think about what he's saying sometimes. Um, but ultimately, very, very impressive bloke. And I'm really looking forward to the next three episodes. So we're going to start off today. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to start off with because he's going to introduce the concept right now. Let's jump into the episode. Uh, mate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. Excited to be here. You said it. Did you listen to me <laughs> say that? On the... <laughs> yes. I need some. I need to. I need to design some kind of live rebounding safety live. We nearly had it at the expo, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. I want. I want a rebounding safety live episode with a live audience and live phone in and i want somebody to ring up and say yeah long time listeners <laughs> gosh it gets so funny Let's make it thank happen, you Joe. for saying that thank you for saying that. <laughs> oh fucking long <laughs> did you like hear me say that on the podcast you go well that's gonna happen now I I did. I'm not gonna lie. on this big page of notes in front of me that is literally written down at the top <laughs> That's like my favourite thing. I love that. That is something I've noticed actually about you, Peter. I think you're quite thoughtful, aren't you? Like you're oh, quite. Thank you. You're, you're very. Um, like there's a lot of times in it. So for for those people that don't know, you're also a member of Project Millennium. So we talk a lot, um, and and there's a lot of the time where. I've p- really picked up on you picking up on little things like that. 
and and doing something about it, which I think is really nice. So I don't know if that's a hopefully a compliment. But well, that is that's very kind. That's quite a, a nice little introduction. My name is Peter Jenkins, and I try and notice <laughs> yeah. the little things in life because the little things in life tend to make it that nice, just a nice place to be, and that bit better. Yeah, yeah. So Peter, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, of course. Thank you very much, James. Yeah. Uh, so, hello, my name is Peter Jenkins. I'm a group health and safety manager at a company called DL Limited. Now, we basically make dry spice blends, seasoning, sauces, everything that you could possibly want from a butcher's point of view, supplying the wider meat industry, major retailers and wider food manufacturers from that point of view. It's my first group health and safety manager role. And I'm absolutely loving it. Genuinely, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, before we started recording, I was just waxing lyrical to James about how proud and happy I am of my team at the moment and just how much they're bringing to the business, but also bringing to me as well. Um, it's oh, just think things are quite lovely at the moment, James, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it almost seems like it was just last week that we were baking in 40 degree heat. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, it's uh, it's just how quick time flies. But no, it is. It's I, I'm. Yeah, group health and safety manager. Really happy to be here. Long time caller. Oh, I was <laughs> oh, so close, James. So close. So close. Long time listener. I should just let it go the first time. But uh, no, very happy to be here. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, just it's so funny. I used to fucking <laughs> love it when people used to say it. Oh, so funny. And um, and we're going to talk about for the next three episodes the, the price rises in fuel and why you're why you're the problem and you're going to fix that for us. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. that's correct. I'm also going to provide the answer to world peace. And also, <laughs> we're going to finish this quarterly co-host with how to choose what to have for dinner with your other half in <laughs> one easy step. So the real problems in life. Stages. Exactly. The real exactly. problems in life. Now, <laughs> would you like to introduce what we're actually going to talk about? Yeah, of course. So we've got quite an exciting three-part um, series set up as part of this quarter co-host. Uh, this first episode, we're going to talk about you. Well, not necessarily you, James, but you in the royal you. Who are we? Who am I? Who are you? All about our personal brand. Now, personal branding, don't get me wrong, it's kind of been talked about in, in some kind of di- different podcasts and stuff over the last type of year, and it is still a very hot topic, but we'll be taking a little bit of a different stance on it that we'll kind of go through in a few minutes. Our second episode is going to be looking at the health and safety initiatives and programmes in the world and across the UK and how we've seen those being branded, how they've been delivered, how they've been implemented effectively trying to understand how health and safety can go beyond double EMP, which is the classic emails, emails, meetings, and PowerPoints. And we're going to finish off our quarterly co-host with our third episode, talking about what we think is prospectively wrong with the contemporary brand of health and safety as a profession. But then also we're going to be talking about how prospectively it can be improved from either a grassroots level or fundamentally from what we can do as professionals to make sure that we're working in the profession that effectively means what it should mean to us. So really excited to get into all of this stuff, James. Really, really excited. I can't wait for episode three. I think it will be spicy. I'm assuming that you might have to... Is is there? Can you put like a a big E for explicit at the start of that? We we have to select it when we upload the podcast to our portal and it says it's this explicit... And I, I want like a just auto feel yes, like for every episode, because <laughs> like that's just, it's just I am explicit. I should just get it tattooed on my head. I think explicit, yeah. explicit. Yeah. Um, 
episode one then so essentially we 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 i kind of came to you because you talked about um the kind of work that you'd done and one of the reasons what i wanted to talk to you is because you're the as far as i'm aware the only person that's actually gone outside to get some help from like a branding specialist for your health and safety initiative so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that in the second episode yeah, of course. um because kind of when i went to back back to you in true peter jenkins style you came back to me with like four pages of how about this and i was just like <laughs> well i don't need to make any notes now i'm just going to use that as my as my notes um so that was great and i was like it's going to take me about three weeks to work out what this actually says um and 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 perfectly it did just sit into a really nice flow of of just personal branding program branding profession branding essentially like absolutely um which i thought it was really nice little flow um and and ultimately why i really like the fact that you you'd pulled this out as i'd kind of reflected on it is again if we were to take like a, a, a culture. So if we would say a culture, there could be a culture of the safety profession um, is, is all of our interactions over time, e.g. then our personal branding contributes to the long-term perception of safety. So our own personal brand is quite important within the long-term perception and culture within the profession. Um, so I really Absolutely. liked what you'd kind of done here. Absolutely. And that, well, I, thank you very much for that, James. That's very, very much appreciated. And I, I'm really excited to kind of hopefully show the audience and listeners and even us both while we're kind of talking through it, just how everything builds upon itself over time and how all of this kind of holistic style of personal kind of, I can't remember what you just said there, James. It was what personal, personal program and professional. Alliteration is not my bag this afternoon, I'm afraid. But no, that is it, it, it. Genuinely, I'm very excited to see how everything will come together for it. And yeah. perhaps in quite a fitting way, um, what you've just said about providing kind of waves and pages of notes attached to these type of things is often a little bit of a specialty of mine, but it can be occasionally a little bit overwhelming. So I have tried to simplify everything that we're going to talk about today and almost capture it a little bit thematically instead so that rather than kind of going off into a whole bunch of different tangents maybe and kind of getting a little bit lost in some of the detail or going from there we can keep it maybe a little bit high level and hopefully kind of pick out some maybe some nice sound bites and some other little bits and pieces that some of the audience can take away from them as well so i'll be honest with you james when when it's come down to this kind of personal branding type of thing a lot of the conversations that i've seen so far have very much been under the lens of recruitment mm. how will your brand land you the job of your dreams mm. which is great that's a hundred percent arguably that is one of the major absolute benefits of a personal brand but in some ways i often wonder if it actually misses the point of a personal brand which is that it is it's personal it's mm. about you, it's who you are right? yeah it reminds me of um it reminds me of a scene in star wars where they go to the uh they go to see the clone uh army being generated made like mm. and it's just stormtrooper after stormtrooper after stormtrooper and i'm just like wow this is just same old shit different helmet 100 percent. we all health and safety professionals are not clones of each other mm. for example we talk so much about cognitive diversity in health and safety and the benefit 
that the varying backgrounds and experiences and beliefs and values and characteristics of professionals what they are and what that means they can bring to a business, what they can bring to a team and what they can fundamentally bring to our initiatives, our programs and our profession. So that's very much why today we're focusing on perhaps the personal brand, but with emphasis on the personal. And particularly what I'm hoping we can go through over what is now going to be maybe the next 50 minutes or so are around the themes of reflection, themes around perceptions, cognitions and actions. What do we think? Uh, what Sorry, what do we feel? What do we think and how do we act? I want us to hopefully cover some associations as well. And we've got there's a couple of there's a couple of examples that we can touch upon with that. Articulations. How can we describe? How can we showcase? How can we present who we are, what we do and what we add value we can add to somewhere or to a business or to a professional, to an in initiative? And how is that reflected by our brand or how does it reflect our brand? And then finally, in this day and age of social media, LinkedIn is an expectation of professional sharings and, and just information. What does our content say about us and what does it say about our personal brand? Mm. So there's quite a bit that I'm hoping we can get into. We might not cover it all today, but certainly there's a lot that we can really dig our teeth into. But first, James, I told you in the prep I was going to do this. I'm going to put you on the spot. I feel like we've role reversed and that you're the host of this. I'm cool with this. Yeah, you I, keep, I, keep I, going, mate. Not, not, not that I'd prepped a couple of questions, James. But I've been, I've been dying to ask this one as part of the kind of prep around this. Oh shit! And, <laughs> no, sorry, it's, it's, I'd say it's not a difficult question, but it might be. And, and again, if anyone's listening to this, I'd, I'd implore you at this point to ask yourself this question as well: Which is most important to you? Who am I, or who am I? to you oh. Oh. Oh, I, I know the answer I'm just not sure if I want to say it out loud <laughs> <laughs> um, um, go go for it Tell, just get what's on your mind it's who, who am I to you I, I my own personal uh, probably psychological childhood issues is definitely my how I am viewed by other people is massively affects me massively. And I thank you so much for sharing that, James. I think there's a lot of people listening to this that absolutely subscribe to that exact same answer as part of it. And there'll be some that are listening to this that have thought the exact same when they say, I know what I feel like I should answer, but I know what I'm going to answer as part mm -hmm. of it. It's also, it's also kind of, I don't know, I, I, personally, it's kind of a bit of a battle as well, like between the two, because I really do not like, I do not like the, um, I don't like a mold. I don't, I don't, I just, I'm, I'm naturally allergic to like fitting a mold or, or the idea of being a clone of something. And, and I think back to like when I was a kid, like I think I always desperately wanted to stand out, but never really had the confidence to stand out. Yeah. Um, so like the 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 notion of like professionalism being a shirt a tie trousers and shoes makes me come out in rashes so like i will i will purposely not like i will purposely go to the expo and not wear a shirt I'll purposely mm. actually wear exactly what I'm wearing now, but um, I would have I wore a t-shirt on purpose because I yeah. don't want to wear a shirt because I don't want to be part of that clone factory. Um, so it's constantly 
I suppose is it constantly at a battle with each other? Like maybe maybe like that is how I want to be seen. I want to be seen as uh, someone who is is breaking the mold. Maybe I don't know. I feel like I need a psychologist in a call to answer the question properly. <laughs> Again, I really appreciate you sharing that, James. Thank you. It's in some ways it's almost a bit of a philosophical battle as well. You know, there's that whole thing. It's kind of man versus man type of thing it's deemed to be the, the standard type of thing but actually when you kind of regress it a little bit it's man versus self and then at a bigger level it's man versus society type mm-hmm. thing and when we consider literally everything that you've just said there on the context of who am i to you actually it's almost a little bit of a flawed proposition in some ways because the you element of that i.e., the people that you're speaking to in some ways will be trying to put you in a box Mm. a box around either their expectations or a box around effectively what experiences they've had before so that they can make sense of the world it's easy to acknowledge who someone is if you can put them into a broad category of something that you can then associate or compare to other people so when we're thinking about who am i and i've seen about some examples of of people that i think have got strong personal brands i'm not going to say the names but i'm going to tell you what i associate them with so the first one is well-being and women's health. The next one is inclusive empowerment in industry. The next one is armed forces and veterans in health and safety. And the last one is authentic emerging health and safety talent. Now, I'm not mentioning any names. Attached I think to that. I've guessed about three of those, four. I think I've guessed four of those. Possibly so. But in some ways, a part of me was kind of thinking, well, actually, how would they describe themselves mm. to me as that other person? And actually, am I doing a disservice with an element of unconscious bias that will naturally exist already to think that actually they might fit into that specific box? Because the other thing as well is that when we ask ourselves, who am I to you? It's trying to think about what context you want to perceive me in. What context do you want to think about me in? Mm. Are you going to think about me in a professional sense, in a personal sense, in an acquaintance sense, a friend sense, in an enemy sense, in someone who might even be a competition if it comes into a job point of view? What's my objective when I'm trying to understand who you are type stuff? And you can get very lost very quickly when trying to think about describing yourself to some other person from that point of view. And I'll be honest with you, James, I've struggled in the past to reconcile what my personal brand is explicitly because I've found myself wanting to be a little bit like a chameleon to almost please every one of these people so that I can fit into either the same box for them. Hopefully they can kind of think of me in the same way or that ultimately I want to not fit into a specific box that they might otherwise want to put me in. I want to subvert that expectation. And it was only probably last year when I started doing a bit more sort of reflection on who am I that I actually ended up coming to the conclusion that for the last 20 odd years I've probably been describing myself incorrectly because it hasn't really been true to myself and as a result of that I've kind of wondered has my personal brand therefore been wrong has it actually been put has, has it been advertising things that actually aren't true to me from that point of view mm. so I think when someone asks you the question who who are you type of stuff bloody hell that's actually there's a hell of a lot more that goes into that than simply just having a a very honest and transparent and authentic this is who i am to me Mm. from that point of view so 
on the basis of all of this type of stuff with personal branding and when it's kind of talked about the context of do personal branding to get a job, do personal branding to get ahead in life, do it to kind of do it to do it for an objective. Don't forget to do it for, for yourself wow. from that point of view and to really help determine who you are and what your personal brand is to you at first. Because I think, guys, it's so easy to lose track of that. So easy. Wow. Everybody. Peter Jenkins. <laughs> Amazing. That was phenomenal. Wow. I'm hoping you had notes for that. Cause if you've just come off that off the back of your off the top of your head, I'm gonna be like shocked and impressed. There are for those who can't see, so you can probably hear some of the rustling of paper. There there is a big A4 sheet of paper. Oh, it's phenomenal, Peter. Very, very Thank very you. Firstly, as a as a podcast host. Thank you very much for putting so much prep into this episode. Like <laughs> it makes it very easy for me. Um, but also nice that you've you've put a lot of thought into this, I can tell. And and again, that like I said, you're 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 a very thoughtful person, not just from an ethical and moral and emotional point of view, but also just I get a sense that everything I get a feel that your brand is quite thoughtful. Like have you do you ever do anything off the hoof? Do you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you, are you? Do you ever do anything like really spontaneous? Because you you have like you've been on telly. I do you know I I have been on telly for those who who have, I've not had the pleasure of speaking to before. If you Google big heads Winston Churchill, you will see me dressed up in effectively a giant bodysuit with a big paper mache head. I wouldn't Winston need to Churchill. Google it, Peter. We're going to put the link in the description. Oh, God, please do. Please do. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, and, and to be fair, that was part of just saying yes to something. I lived down in London for six months and I said yes to every opportunity that I possibly could because I said, well, what, what's the worst that's going to happen as part of it? At the end of the day, I'll get a good story out of it no matter what happens. And literally one time saying yes to a Facebook ad uh, about going on a TV game show on ITV got me literally winning a TV game show, a physical game show on ITV, meeting Jason Manford and <laughs> winning a good sum of money as part of it as well, uh, that promptly gave me enough money to hand in my notice in while I was working in London immediately the day afterward and then moved back up to Yorkshire. No way. So, yeah, yeah, it was. Oh. Um, uh, for, for, again, this is perhaps where you get that kind of personal brand for things that you might want to advertise and things that you don't because you don't really talk about it too much. But in I believe it was uh, a podcast that I've done with our good friend Colin that I explained a bit about my time in London and I, I'd recommend anyone listening to the interesting health and safety podcast as well as this amazing podcast <laughs> with James but I talk a little bit more in there about some of the work that I did around counter-terrorism while I was in London and had quite a, a very close brush basically with the terrorist event on the bus that made me just reflect about why am I in London? Basically, I, I don't really want to be here. Uh, and I've been for the winning a bunch of money on a TV game show was the perfect excuse in some ways to hand in my notice and move back up north. Mm. So I think when it comes down to how we articulate ourselves, our successes, our achievements, our broad experiences that build up who we are as an individual, at times it's very easy to kind of remember some of the bigger flashy bits type of stuff that happens. But we don't necessarily remember the responses to significant events that actually help define who we are as an individual in those situations. And we don't necessarily talk about them at times because they can be uncomfortable. They can be challenging. They can be quite restrictive in some ways because they might stop you from doing certain things again in the future. 
But in some ways, I do wonder if there is an element of, at the very least, acknowledgement, if not celebration, for the fact that we are the sum of our experiences and exposures in life. And hopefully those are net positive and can be celebrated from that point of view. Mm. And and you've also got like I don't know my my experience at school was was individuality was demonized demonized when I was a kid. Um, if you had coloured hair, you were told to decolor it and go back to your natural color. You you were told for wear told off for wearing clothes that were too loud. Um, you weren't allowed to you weren't allowed any individuality when I was in school. It was it was demonized. Um, you know, everybody just wanted to keep their head down. And I remember my grandma just being like, you know, don't air your dirty laundry, just just fit in and don't stand out and uh, and you'll do well. Yeah. Um, which I and I think has heavily contributed to the fact that all I want to do is stand out and stick out <laughs> of the crowd. Um and I think as a as a nation, the British community is probably one of the worst for like a stiff upper lip kind of British, like don't stand out, don't make a scene kind of scenario. Do you know that's a, a fascinating insight? Is that James? And I think because we're, we're roughly kind of about the same type of age, really. I'm early nineties from that point, and I think you're nineteen ninety. I was born nineteen ninety, so yeah, thirty one, and. Do you know, it was without getting perhaps too nostalgic uh, in some cases for, for some of the things kind of growing up. I think that especially these days, there is not only a lot more opportunity for young people to express themselves in very free ways to to, to, to coin a phrase of marketers to find their tribe. It's a hell of a lot easier now, thanks to the Internet, than it was before. Growing up, I used to be, uh, well, I still am an avid video gamer. I love, I love video games. I really do. Oh, really? I, didn't know that, um, I, I lived about an hour and a half away from my high school. So I'll be honest with you, I didn't really have many friends in high school kind of growing up. Uh, it was the classic MSN. You have a choice, but your parents had a choice. Either they couldn't use the phone, so you could use MSN, or they couldn't actually use the phone and you couldn't keep in contact with people and it would be the end of the world type of stuff. Good old days. But these days. But, hey, you can you can go live on uh, TikTok. You can literally be Facebook, Instagram, literally IGTV, Facebook Stories types of that. You can keep in communication so many different ways. WhatsApp. Oh God, jeez, Louise. Honestly, could you imagine like being I don't know eleven, twelve, thirteen years old type of stuff, and someone hands you a phone that can do everything that it could do now? Yeah, I know. Like, we sound Absolutely. old, you know that right, Pierre. You, I know. You, you oh, no, I knew I was getting old when I walked into a cold store in work and my nose hair froze. I was like, this is <laughs> it's just depressing. Is that <laughs> honestly tragic? Like, do you know what I reckon is gonna happen? Just just very off tangent. Um, I know you said you don't want to go down a tangent. <laughs> I think WhatsApp names at some point, I think your name on WhatsApp will be in your control at some point in somebody else's phone. And I think we'll end up having what we used to have on MSN, where like you put your girlfriend in there or you put like a song title. I think the WhatsApp at some point (laughs) or the new version of WhatsApp, I think they'll put that over to to say you control your name and your personality and i think it will become like msn and you i think we'll see i think we'll see a new msn at some point song titles and song you know you've had a bad day so you put you put that bad day song lyric in there it's like had a bad day 
I, I saw a tweet the other day and someone had said, don't you just wish that people could go on to like your Twitter and LinkedIn or Facebook and it would play your favorite song? And I'm just like, man, MySpace. They can't, literally, they've just got no idea what MySpace is. Like, oh, it was so good. Oh, like, honestly. Oh my, the hours, the hours I spent in putting into a my, my MySpace page, picking the background, picking the song. Oh, my God. So, so again, but I think I think this is a really good point, right, on personal, the personal part of personal branding. In my opinion, MySpace was one of the most personal branding mm-hmm. opportunities that there ever was yeah. in social media, right? As soon yeah. as you went on, you saw pictures, you saw colours, you yeah. heard music. When Literally, if you go onto someone's Facebook page, you see a, probably a picture of them and their partner type of stuff, especially the, these days for potentially the same type of people that I'm sure that we've probably got on, on Facebook friends list. See a picture of them and their partner type of stuff, a banner from maybe when they went on holiday one time, it was a really beautiful picture as part of it, and they haven't posted anything new on an actual post for the last two years. Yeah. You scroll down, it's like three years worth of people wishing them happy birthday because they just haven't been <laughs> on there. Right? Compare that to MySpace, where at the very least you had like a playlist of the favorite songs. You had a picture, you had their top four Facebook friends. So for MySpace friends even as part of oh, Yeah, I forgot they, about that. They were tight. I was tight with Scrubs. I was tight with a particular band that I'm not going to mention here because I'm actually really old. But it was legitimately like it was it was great you knew so much more about that individual because the process allowed for it mm-hmm. now these days when we kind of look at linkedin it's a little bit of a god it's like a bit of cognitive dissonance almost attached to how people yeah. say you should use linkedin versus what it tends to be used for yeah. because it's effectively a professional networking site but when you hear all the stories about how should you brand yourself on it says well make sure that you are putting stories upon it about who you are as an individual and it's kind of like a big clash between it because in the same vein that a lot of people will just put up the good pictures of themselves from a holiday but don't put the picture where they got horrendously sunburned and look like a proper lobster type of stuff, you only necessarily will see the good parts of it. You see the snapshots, but you'll see kind of like the almost a bit like a pose snapshot in some ways. And your expectations of what's required from a professional network are fundamentally going to be very different to what they were from MySpace. But it does mm-hmm. seem as though there is a, a lot that's pulling people into different directions mm-hmm. at the same time that I don't know if it can ever be reconciled properly. What, what do you, if, if an AI created like a hologram, hologram of your, of you, which is based solely off of your actions on LinkedIn, and it and it the AI put together what it thinks your voice sounds like, what it thinks you like. You know, it created like a a complete walking, talking hologram of you. Coming back to your kind of cognition uh, point, how do you think that would make you feel, that person? Do you think you'd relate to them? Joan, that's a good question. I think I would. I think I would. And but with a proviso there, and it's one. I think when it comes down to personal brands, there's a lot of bullshit that goes on. With stuff. There really is. And it's important to make sure that you've got good people, physically people that can tell you to your face that what you're doing isn't who, like, about who you are. It's not, it's, not what, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not you from that point of view. It's just a sort of BS type thing. I am most grateful and most thankful uh, for my wife. In my 100%, she is without a doubt 
my favorite human being in the world. I yeah. absolutely adore her. I truly do. But she does not pull punches when it comes down to calling me out on BS for anything. I absolutely, if I'm chatting Breeze, she will stop what she is doing <laughs> and she will categorically tell me you're chatting absolute crap, right? Honestly. That's beautiful. And so a part of me would really like to think that if there was something that would just take the professional examples of everything that I have kind of put out on LinkedIn, that that would be someone that I truly respect and it would be someone that I hope would be reflective of those best parts of me from that point of view, but wouldn't necessarily have some of those chat and breeze type of bits on there that effectively every now and again, I will say to my wife in passing type of stuff, or we'll be out shopping and I'll say something completely and utterly stupid. So, so do you not think that's part of you and your brand though? Yeah, I do. I think it's part of everyone's brand. I'm, I think I'm everyone removing that would be um, obviously. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying your wife is removing that from <laughs> you, but like if you were to get an AI version of you, that's yeah. like I oh, will take the breeze out. We'll take we'll take that crap out. Um, I like that's the beauty of Peter as a human, though, isn't it? Those silly little anecdotes or whatever. Well, it, it, it's it. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. And a part of me wonders, in some ways, if it comes into i think there's an element of imposter syndrome that is attached to sort of any kind of professional description of someone uh, when they're trying to describe themselves because i think there's mm -hmm. a bit of discomfort when it comes around to actually selling yourself in a really positive and proactive and engaging way from a professional point of view you know you want to hear about how you built a team from scratch you want to hear oh sorry you want to say how you built a team from scratch you want to say about how you have for example, introduced a completely new health and safety management system about how you've done all of this stuff with technology and got all of these people engaged and bought in. You've got X thousand results from all the stuff that you've done and produced that in some yeah. ways. But actually, do you want to hear about the fact that you absolutely bloody love burgers or that <laughs> you one of your best achievements last year uh, during COVID was getting a brewery tour for your best mate for his wedding as part of being the best man for him? I don't know. A part of me says probably not, but then you kind of—I don't know if that's then maybe kind of like almost sterilizing yourself in some ways from actually that, your that's complete the, holistic image. That's the crux of it here, isn't it? And that ultimately, what LinkedIn is 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 a platform to sell something. Yeah. So LinkedIn is all about selling um, because you're either trying to sell yourself to an employer, or you're trying to sell your company slash yourself to a customer. So everyone on when we say it's a professional platform, everyone is on there for a reason. Mm. Their own career, which is commercial, or their own company, which is commercial. That that is true. And by extension of that, given the fact that we're now talking about LinkedIn as effectively something that fundamentally involves sales of some kind, as uh, effectively a business owner and someone that runs their own business as part of it, which is more important to you? people remembering the content for what you've said or people remembering how your content has made them feel and how it's made them think cool i'd like to think it was a latter what, the to, to me it's a latter yeah yeah and, personally and, yeah and to be fair i i think that that's actually where a lot of the personal branding stuff can get a little bit too caught up in the detail because it will try and get that holographic image to get the kind of the, the visual representation on LinkedIn to be very much about the content. But 
at some point that almost seems a little bit mutually exclusive for recognizing or acknowledging how that content makes people feel and what it makes them think. So for example, uh, this is where associations can come into play. James, we're going to go shopping. Right, we're going to go shopping right now. We are in a supermarket together. And I tell you what, James, I want to have a soft drink. Can you pick one out for me? What soft drink are you going to pick out? We, we've had this conversation before, and I know what I'm going to pick, which is Pepsi. But I, I know where you're going with this, so I'll let you go there. <laughs> why, why, would, why would you pick Cherry Aid? Because oh, I, I fucking hate it. It's horrible. I, I would used to have drank Coke for a long time would be my go-to yeah. um, if I wanted like a, a soft drink or it would have been like the Lucas Aid, but not the fizzy one, like the orange yeah. juicy one. Um, okay. And then I was like, I had a Pepsi once and I was like, every time I have Pepsi, I go, this is so much better than Coke. Yeah. Why do I drink Coke? And it's because Coke, dominates more of my mental space through marketing and so on and so forth. And I've just gone, no, I'm going to fucking make a decision based off what I like. So now I would choose Pepsi and it's been like that for a fair few years, a few okay. years now, Pepsi or juice, Lucas aid, whatever it's called. And the, basically the choice that you've made, the action that you've made is based around the cognitions, what you've thought, the perceptions, how you felt and the empirical, literally just the feedback from actually having tasted it, literally yeah. had a taste of it and you prefer one versus the other. So when we're going shopping and we're thinking about soft drinks, we have kind of a preconceived notion that it's probably going to be Coke or Pepsi, right, as part of it. Yeah. D&B don't even get a look in. Uh, for those from perspectively America who might not have D&B, that's Dandelion and Beardot. It's delicious. It tastes like licorice, but it is fantastic. Yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Really good. Really good. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> James, I respect you, but you're wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> delicious. But anyway, so... When, when we kind of think about um, what do we want to be perceived as, what do we want to be thought as, if people are going shopping for the equivalent of a soft drink, which is a health and safety professional, we don't want to be necessarily DMB. We don't want to be Cherry Aid. We want to be Pepsi. We want to be Coke. Mm -hmm. We want to be potentially an alternative to that or one very closely related to that because that's where the mainstream, but that's where the majority of choices are going to be made. Yeah. And a part of me wonders if in that same kind of vein of trying to be a part of a, an extension of the majority, do we lose out on our truest personal brands because otherwise we might not get a look in based on people's preconceived perceptions, notions, cognitions? And ultimately, will they act in our favour, even though we're true to ourselves? We are DMB, We are Cherry Aid. And we're proud of it. We are that flat Lucas aid, but I tell you what, Pepsi, Coke, it just, just fits better, doesn't it? It's a crowd pleaser. It's going to work. I have a personal experience to answer that question. And the answer if you don't is, mind sharing, go ahead. No, no, I don't mind. I think I've shared it before, but like rebranding safety is, is, is literally about moving away from that perception of the safety professional being, you know, stiff upper lip, shirt, tie, like clean, clean cut over like ott on the way they approach like maybe a bit full of themselves you know that old school finger wagging like safety professional yeah. so when we started safety uh, rebound and safety um you know i was what i am with my mates but talking about my job so i would have a cap on i would wear normal clothes what i would wear down the pub and more importantly i would swear and i still do swear because i swear because that for me, that's my vocabulary. If you don't swear, 
that's your choice and you choose not to swear and that's cool. And I don't, I don't put any disrespect onto you or think that you're more or less articulate than I am. Um, it's just that I was born and raised with swearing. Um, and also my mum told me my entire life to not swear. So that's just encouraged me to swear more. Um, so I swear, right. And I got to a point in a previous employer, um, where, we were, we were being horrifically treated, basically. We've gone through this, this business redesign that the HR team and the board and our new boss refused to admit was a business redesign, but it straight up was. Uh, in the eyes of law, the legal kind of changes to our role, we should have had a formalized process, but we weren't. And we were getting pay cuts and increase of work, but yet they refused to like do it formally. Um, we were all being bullied, essentially. And it was miserable. I hated my job, the job there anyway. I was, I was absolutely miserable. And um, I couldn't get a job because of rebound safety. I could not get a job for, because of rebound safety. And I, I got put right like right down into the, the I was low. I was really, really low. Um and I just refused to give up on rebound and safety, but I was close. I was close and just doing it. And I had recruiters on the phone saying, could you just like pause, take it down for a little bit or stop swearing for a little bit or wear a shirt for a little bit? I said no to all of those requests. Um, these were, these were big name specialist safety recruiters. Um, I couldn't get into jobs. And then they all said that it was basically people either love the podcast or they hate the podcast and there's more people that hate it than love it. Not because they hate the podcast, because they see it as a risk to their company brand. Like they didn't like the freedom of one of their employees putting out content and talking about their opinion and going out to God knows how many, how many thousands of people. Um, so I was asked to bring it down. I refused and I couldn't get a job. I straight up yeah. couldn't get a job. Um, and then I got um, my diploma and I still couldn't get a job. So it was like, oh, it's because you haven't got a diploma, which is fucking bollocks in my opinion. But that aside, um, I couldn't get it. So I got the diploma, finally finished that, still couldn't get interviews, couldn't get a job. I, I was applying for like just fucking advisor jobs. And I was like eight, nine years into into safety. And I was like, I'll just take anything at the moment. Like, I was applying for like entry level jobs because I just needed something. Um, and no one would, would take me because I, everyone saw this as a, as a threat because I wasn't yeah. a clone. I wasn't what I was supposed to look like. And from a, from a branding point of view, they didn't like the freedom of, um, you know, like podcasting is probably one of the most, un, well, it's probably the only, it's the only platform left that's not really regulated. Like there's yeah. not, it's not really, it's raw. Like it's kind of like pirate radio was back in the day. Like you can say whatever you want on a podcast and put it up and there'll be people that like it and people that don't. Yeah. And they didn't like it. Amount of times I got told stop swearing or wear a shirt. Like, no, fuck off. I'm not going to do that. And it, and it, it didn't help. And I, and, I, and I think now that there's still customers out there that would look at this and go, they don't like it. But now, cause I'm my own company, I make the decision to go, I don't want to work with those people. But when I'm trying to get a fucking job, it's a different, it's a different ball game. Um, so, so yeah. With that in mind, James, and again, thank you very much for sharing that. It's a story that I, I've had had the benefit of hearing as well before. And I have a question for you. Yeah. 
based on that. And I don't think you've been asked this before. So are you stubborn? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it's not that. It isn't that. You've now got the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are, I'm sure will be kind of listening to this this podcast and might have the same type of question or thought process that they're working through. And they're thinking, bloody hell, the worst that might happen if I am true to myself as part of this is that I either lose my job that I'm in or yeah. I can't get another job. But yeah. I know that I'll be true to myself. Yeah. And I'll be who I am, right? If you could go back in time and speak to the James that was at the lowest point in that process, what would you say to them and why? Here's a little simplified uh, example of how you could use computer vision to proactively kind of identify things in the workplace as kind of learning opportunities without that kind of bureaucratic, slow, drawn out process of reporting and then Dale reporting and so on and so forth. Because really what computer vision is, is, is vision, right? It's like an extra pair of eyes but it's not got someone sitting watching that CCTV all day going, meh. So here's a really simplified version of, of how you could use it from the white paper produced by Protex AI, um, that's AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. Computer vision identifies packaging is often left by the en entrance to the store on Monday mornings. The safety team reviews the selected video clips of, with the workers. Um, key point there, with the workers. So the AI has gone, hmm, this always happens on a Monday. There's something there. So it's a specific thing. So if your safety walk is only on a Tuesday, you're never going to see this. So the AI has spotted it. That was my first observation of this simple, this simple kind of story or situation. So the safety team gets the workers in and we start to have a discussion. They explain that there are too many deliveries on a Monday morning to unpack and clear away at the same time. So the health and safety manager shows the computer vision evidence to the operations manager along with the feedback and so on from the teams. And then the deliveries are spread across three days, making it easier for them to uh, manage the packaging. So you can see as a really kind of simple way of how this can help not only is that as computer vision that ai partnered with your cctv has kind of spotted up a trend oh, we've got a trend here we're really good on the other days but we're not on mondays hmm and that's something i think would be really easy for us to miss in a workplace because it's only at a specific time and a specific place so you've got to be in that specific place on that specific day at that specific time for you to spot that the likelihood of that is very low so the ai the computer vision has kind of done the work they needed to do spotted the trend pinged it up to you you're able to get the team in and go oh look at this this is what we're talking about on uh, on mondays this is happening what what's the sitch peeps and they're like oh well deliveries are just mad on mondays we cram them all in on monday it's like delivery day and it's just nuts we haven't got time to clean as you go boom learning opportunity just a very simple example of how having those extra set of eyes and you having the right attitude and approach to be able to use that as a learning opportunity can help you constantly, constantly approve, constantly learn, become a learning organization and start having that presence of positives. So you're just constantly doing stuff. I really like it. And I really like this example um, to just really clearly and concisely go oh yeah 
I get how that works now. Um, so I took that out of um, Protect AI's white paper that you can download. The link is in the description. It's called AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. For me, this is all about becoming a learning organization collecting that data having all of that tech help you spot trends so that you can take that and learn from it it's just increasing all of those constant learning opportunities so go to the link in the description below have a read it's an easy read there's some really cool little chunks in there there's loads of stuff that you can learn from this paper it's not overly academic or anything like that it's, it's a really simple easy read there's some good takeaways in there um, and I think there's some really good takeaways in there regardless of you take on computer vision or not so make sure use the link in the description below and read the white paper peeps if you could go back in time and speak to the james that was at the lowest point in that process what would you say to them and why or i i would say there's nothing there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with not staying true to yourself for a little bit if you need to feed yourself and pay the bills or yeah. not get in debt or feed your daughter or you know whatever it is. I, I would say there's, there's nothing wrong with that and bending the rules a little bit because I think I, I was probably and still battle with with this whole like, oh, you have to find your what. I think me and Sam actually spoke about this on the on the kind of company yeah. quarterly co-house as well. If, if anyone hasn't listened to that, by the way, the quarterly co-host with Sam Neil and James, super, absolutely brilliant. Just um, listen to it. Obviously, at the end of this episode, don't just go and listen to it right now, but <laughs> definitely listen to it. Um, so yeah, we kind of touched on this there, like this whole battle about staying true to yourself, having your why, and all of this stuff. Like, you know, I I if somebody asks me now to do, there's, there's non-negotiables and you as a person need to decide what your non-negotiable is. So if somebody rang me up as a company and said, can you just put on paper that you're a competent person and that's it? Um, I'll pay you 500 quid to do it. I could really do a 500 quid right now as a startup company. I would say, no, that's a non-negotiable for me. Um, but there might be things that like, I'm not a massive fan of like, SSIP schemes. I don't think they really deliver an impact on safety, but I understand that they have commercial needs within the organization that they would do them. I ideally would probably not like risk for to be doing them all the time, but I'll do them right now yeah. because I, I need to pay the bill. And I think when some people go, well, you should just stick, watch true to you. Like that's really easy to fucking say if you have, if you are, if you're not worried about paying the mortgage at the end of the month like so I, I i think i would say don't stay true to yourself as much as you can but don't be trapped by staying true to yourself if that makes sense to the point where you put yourself in more trouble i think that is an excellent takeaway from that point of view james and very insightful just re reflection on compromise as well I, I truly do and though i'm sure again there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this are thinking, bloody hell, that's all well and good talking about non-negotiables, but I actually don't know how I feel about these different... I actually don't know where to even start about articulating what I do or don't believe in. And yeah. actually, for those people that might be listening to this that are kind of at that stage and thinking, how do I articulate what I am for or I'm not for? There's two different exercises that, that I can kind of talk to you about. But the first one, if you Google this, you can do something called a values assessment rating. 
Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I went through a bit of therapy earlier on last year, a bit of uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, to help me try and literally work through being the best version of myself that I could possibly be because I didn't like where I was at and I wanted to be a I wanted to be better I wanted to try and just better myself as part of that and be better for everyone and everything around me and one of the greatest exercises that we did was this values assessment rating that helps you talk about your domains so these are things like for example how highly do you rate couple intimate relationships parenting family relations social relations employment education so on so forth everything up to and including spirituality as well and then you write down your valued direction so, for example, for uh, I'll give an example of employment. So my domain is employment, but my value direction, which is focusing on my values, are empowered, engaged and driven with an empathetic basis with enthused delivery of initiatives. That's a very peak way of basically writing that. I know, but it really helped me articulate what it means to me. Well, what does employment mean to me? Well, yeah, it means being empowered. It means being engaged. It means being driven. It means being empathetic and being enthused and, and doing that and living that for everything that I deliver as part of it and actually writing these domains and these values out really helped me articulate how importantly I rank them that's then also helped me reflect who I feel I am as an individual and how I can share this with others so certainly if you are wanting to know a little bit more about yourself take that point of reflection and take solace in knowing that there is no shame disgust or anything negative associated with reaching out to a, a professional for additional help to help guide you through these type of things as well because it, it it's literally what they're there for so certainly please do feel free to do that the, the second thing that i'd maybe suggest anyone sort of thinking around this is to find a mentor and uh, without wanting to in introduce too much on, on kind of other different services that are available uh, the one that i have found a lot of success with is IOSH mentorship. It's not yep. for everyone. It isn't the greatest thing every now and again. There are some terrible mentors out there in the world, but fundamentally, I've had a very fortunate experience with IOSH mentorship. And also, I've reached out to a couple of people over LinkedIn that I truly admire. I, I think that they're brilliant people. I love what they do, and I love what I've seen. And I want to know more about who they are as individuals. So I've asked them if they could spend a bit of time with me every couple of months, just, just telling me a bit about who they are so that I can maybe have a bit of self-reflection as well. So between that values uh, values assessment rating, mentorship, maybe perhaps the, the third thing, uh, that I, get, I only said two, but alas, this is what happens when you start thinking about it, I guess, in a bit more detail. Um, identify how you learn as an individual and lean into that, embrace it, and just literally do it for everything that it's worth. I am quite an auditory learner that I didn't really appreciate before, um, so I listen to a hell of a lot of podcasts now, and I absolutely love something called uh, the High Performance Podcast. And at the end, they ask every guest, what your three non-negotiables? And genuinely, that has helped me massively, just from a basis of hearing how other people articulate what people have to do or don't do or shouldn't do from that point of view. I've left some of these calls thinking, wow, bloody hell, I'm... You just you just don't think about it. You only know what you know. So have that point of reflection, but certainly just reach out everywhere that you possibly can from that point of view, because the world is willing to help if we are, I think, willing to, to, to reach out ourselves as well. Mm. Wow. 
I am. Um, that was something I was looking over over there as you were talking because um, I had um, kind of like a coach slash mentor uh, a while ago, and um, she said to me, "I want you to do a little exercise." Um, which and this exercise is possibly the worst thing that anybody could have asked me ever to do ever, um, which made me feel sick. Um, but I did it, uh, and it was I want you to ask your friends to tell them what they think of you. Yeah. Like just put a couple of words down on paper, like just words. So they don't need to put work war and peace or sentences just in words, list of five or six words, two or three words, whatever you want to do. What do they think of you? Mm. Now I hold what people think of me, as we've already uh, mentioned quite high in my, it is quite impactful to me. So I was like, not, not happening. No, not doing it. Not doing it. Mm. Not doing it. Come on, do it. I, I did it and it was very good. So, okay, I did it. And um, I actually have it. I've just realized that like I've moved desk. I used to sit just over here. And that's Sherry's desk now because she does most of the, the editing. So she's got the big fancy screen and computer and I've got the shitty little corner over here. <laughs> and I realized that when I got this thing, it was so powerful and surprising um, that I've put in a frame and put it by my desk. And I've just realized that you reminded me that that was kind of there. I kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of looking at it being like, Oh yeah, that's what people think of me. That was really nice. Nice little exercise. I might bring it over now and put it over here. Um, <laughs> but that, I, I found that if quite interesting. Power, if it Pardon? gives you power, if it gives you power, do it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I probably could have done with looking at that last couple of months. If I'm honest. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, and I think that was um, that was a, a powerful exercise uh, for me. And it kind of comes back to what what you were saying. It was kind of both cognition and perception in in one. Like, what does what do I think that they think? What do they think that of me? And then how do I feel about what they think? Um, yeah. So then there was a couple of things in there that I was like, oh, I could I could like I'd like to tweak that, um, and probably still need to come back to that and probably refocus on it. And there are things that I'm like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to double down on that. That was really nice. And um, to hear, so I want to do more about it. So that, that was a simple exercise that I think anybody could do um, and go and just ask people to do it. Um, I get them to text you it or whatever, yeah. but I'd only do like four or five of your most trusted friends, people that you really value friends or family um, that you really value their, their opinion. So I did like, my um I did my wife, my best friend, my sister-in-law. I did Colin. Um I did somebody else, can't remember who the other person was. Um so yeah, and that was um a scary but quite enlightening little exercise. Would would you mind if I asked you a personal question then? I appreciate we're on the podcast, but just That's associated right. with, with that particular activity, what was the most value adding takeaway that you that you gained from that? If you don't mind me asking. Um, probably the nice things that people said, because I yeah. wasn't expecting the nice things. I was expecting like James is a miserable asshole, James is a <laughs> skeptic prick, like whatever. I wasn't I was expecting I think I'm quite negative. My my perception of myself is quite negative. Um yeah. so it was quite emotional actually to read the positive things uh, and and actually like that was fucking probably a year ago i'm yeah. kind of completely forgot about it for the last six or seven months 
So now look, reminding myself, oh yeah, shit, I did that. And then just as you were talking, kind of sitting here looking at it, it's like, oh yeah. Like, so yeah. the most powerful thing for me was, was the nice things, like a reassure, a reassuring kind of thing. It's, it's very similar, Peter, to how we approach safety, ironically, is that the negative event, the incident, it sticks out like a sore thumb, right? It does, yeah. yeah. But all of the good shit that comes up to that or to when we're looking at safety, so all of those little things that that lead up to that don't stick out like a sore thumb. So they're they're all intertwined with all of these, the good and the bad. And it's the same with 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 everything in ourselves, like all of those negative little things that might not contribute to my personal brand or where I did deviate from my 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 own aims or, or I did go, do you know what? Yeah. I'm going to bring rebound safety down a little bit because I need a job or, or whatever yeah. that little thing was. Um, it, 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 they stick out like a sore thumb because they're big things. Um, but all those little things and all those little positives of being you, um, just life and they, they get forgotten. So that, that, uh, that exercise helped me remember those. Would you say that since that exercise, you are able to, have you, I suppose maybe a different question perhaps, have you written down any of your achievements or maybe like positive outcomes of stuff to yourself since since then? Yeah. I, <laughs> Not really. There's a lot. I, so I, I, I was in a position recently just helping someone very close to me update their CV. And I sat down and I said, oh, what have you done? Uh, what, what, what's, what would you say has been your best achievement? And they kind of recoiled for a second and thought, holy shit, I don't know. Yeah. I said, like, what do you mean you don't know? You've been working in the same place for like five years. Like, what? They said, oh, well, you just kind of, you just do it, don't you? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, you do? Yeah, 100%, 100%. You do, 100%. And there was something else that I was listening to as part of a uh, uh, kind of a, a it was a volunteers conference session with, with Ayash a little while ago and someone that was kind of coming up in their health and safety career said that they'd written down a bragging list. Now I have a, an apology to make before I go into this because I can't remember uh, this person's name attached to it for which I, I genuinely, I want to give credit where it's due, but I honestly can't remember. And if I do, I'll let you know. So you Isn't it you that gives night. me shit for always forgetting people's names? And I quote them. Well, it's because I didn't, I didn't write down the name. I just wrote down bragging list and was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. But basically, every time every time something good happens from an outcome or an output in health and safety, which I appreciate are two very different things, or an achievement for something that you've done, write it down on a bragging list and call it a bragging list because you are fucking awesome. And you deserve to know that you're awesome mm. every single day. Absolutely. And it is so easy in a world where there's so much shit happening at the moment to forget that you are amazing. You are awesome. You have done so much good mm. because there's so much just external stuff that's coming on. There's so much expectation that tells you who you should be, what you should be thinking, the ways that you should be acting, the way that you should present your individuality, that actually you can very much lose track of that to some of the points we were making at the very beginning. Yeah. So certainly in my experience, having a bragging list at every single point to say, yeah, fuck yeah, I've done that. Isn't it fucking awesome? This is why. has been a, an amazing affirmation point to literally, whenever I'm sort of feeling a little bit shit or that kind of things aren't going as well as they are, actually, even to get to a point where you've 
literally achieve something far beyond what you thought you could do, but you might not have got to the exact outcome. Even getting to that point at that journey or through that journey is a hell of an achievement in itself. You should be bloody proud than doing it and putting yourself out there for saying yes and just just going for it. And if you're thinking, where can you even start with that bragging list? I'll tell you what, at the end of today, you can literally put a thing up on LinkedIn, share a link to this podcast episode and say, I think that I'm going to start writing all the great things that I do down in life, in work, because I am awesome. I'm amazing. And I know it. You might just, just so maybe you don't have to write that if you think it might come across ironically as being a little bit too big headed, right? <laughs> from, from that, ironically, after all of that. But trust me, you are fantastic. Every single listener, every single person engaging with this, please write it down and know it because you are. Wow. Wow. I feel like everyone needs, we need to clip that and everyone just needs to listen to that in the morning when they wake up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow what a little way to big someone up and actually as well like another thing to kind of add to that um i was texting somebody that, that we know quite well and um and i was texting her and I, and I can't remember whether she texted me we were talking i can't remember whether she texted me being like i'm getting a vibe off of you like are, are you all right or something like that i can't remember how the conversation came up or whatever and i was just like I've just fucking had enough. Like I've, I've had enough of safety. I've had enough of this shitty profession. I've had enough of what I'm doing. I've had enough of rebound safety. I've had enough of risk flu and I've had enough. I'm just, I'm, I'm debating just fucking going into sales or something. Just I've had enough. Yeah. And, um, and she texts you back being like, Oh, oh, she was like, do you want me to go for, what did she say? Oh, right. She said, I'm, I'm, she said, I was going to go for Hallmark card, but I'm not. And then she went, no, actually screw it. I'm going to go Hallmark card on you. And I was like, what does she mean? Like Hallmark card, like nice things. And that, and that is what she meant, basically. You know, when you get like a big <laughs> emotional Hallmark card, that's like, you're a beautiful person and all of this. And she just sent me this beautiful message um, saying like, you know, you've literally kind of changed my trajectory on my career and I love my career now. And I, it wouldn't have been, um, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for rebound and safety. And I was like, wow. And it kind of helped bring back to what I'd forgotten that we were trying to achieve. Um, mm. So sometimes like, I think just talking to somebody who's not in your head, mm. it, not in your head, just being out. For me, it's like, you know, it's, it's easy to say like, oh, it's easy to say, I'm not okay. Like you should feel okay to say I'm not okay. And all this, like, that's really easy to say, but actually particularly in Britain, that's really hard to do. But if you can, normally that person is going to give you something that you really need to hear. And yeah. I, I actually needed to hear some that off that person in that moment. And that, that text was not an immediate kind of help, but it definitely started a little trajectory to bring us out of the little pit of misery that I was in at that moment. Um, so like sometimes as well, there's enough that's talking to yourself, but sometimes I think you need to hear it from other people as well. Totally agree. And I think certainly through COVID that there's been a lot more community opportunities within health and safety. And naturally, I, I know you, James, uh, through predominantly PM from yeah. that point of view. That is uh, just, it's been a great experience being with PM. I see myself being a part of it for many, many years to come. But having the opportunities to just, speak and even start a call by saying what's been your win 
what's, what's the win of the week? What you have is just mm. that reminder that actually, yeah, it is bloody positive. Yeah. And you start building up relationships with people that can tell you what you need to hear, which one is necessarily what you want to hear at times, yeah. but what you need to hear that will ultimately be better in the end. And do you know what's really interesting is that that the wins are lacking in those conversations. I'm having to really pull the wins out of the members at the minute. And and that's really interesting. Whether it's a reflection on society at the moment or or what, I'm not really sure. But, I mean, you remember what the calls were like back in the day when we first started. Like, they were coming thick and fast once people got used to them. Um, But they're a bit slow at the moment. I'm going to push that question back to you in some ways. And do you think that when we sell our own personal brand, that we end up progressing our bar of expectation naturally higher and higher and higher Mm. to the point where what would have arguably is still is an excellent win. We don't necessarily shout about it or celebrate it because we kind of been there and done that. And there are bigger wins to achieve. And it makes us unhappier as a result. 100% and I also think what's contributed to it is we've had a long succession of some really big fucking wins like loads of people in the community have had some massive wins and I think what we seem to forget is that wins are relative to that time to that moment and to that person so like you might have been nominated for like 20 awards one week um, but that doesn't mean that, that Peter's win which is just this guy that doesn't really talk to me spoke to me today, which is a massive win for me. It doesn't make that any less of a win just because I've I've been nominated for 100 awards this week. Yeah. They're both relative to themselves in that moment. And I think I think we've had such a lot of big wins that yeah. now we're all expecting something big. Whereas back in the day, when we first introduced the concept and people got used to it, people were coming in and being like, actually, I've just finished this document that I've been writing for the last three weeks. And that is a huge win for me. Yeah. And I think that that's actually a nice reflection on the microcosm of just algorithms of success that mm-hmm. we see on social media and LinkedIn. We've just gone through award season, basically, as, as it tends to happen yeah, in health and safety at the point of recording now. But we should absolutely 100% remember that our wins are wins and we are awesome no matter when genuinely it's it's hard not to come up, sound a little bit like a broken record at times when it comes down to trying to just just be positive because it, it shouldn't be a platitude it shouldn't just be something that we're saying that that we are but blimey days i think if we get sucked in from a comparison point even at times within ourselves we might just inadvertently set ourselves up for either failure or unhappiness that could negatively affect our personal brand yeah. If we truly want to be the truest versions of ourselves, I think we should be proud with all, about all of our wins. I really do. And genuinely, in, oh God, uh, uh, without wanting to be too, too crass here, screw the haters as part of it. You know, we, we are genuinely, there's so, so much to celebrate in health and safety. And there's so much to celebrate in our own lives. And sometimes, if, for example, like the other day, I, I'd got uh, COVID of weeks ago i'd finished walking the dog and had managed to have a phone conversation with someone while walking the dog and not feeling out of breath yeah genuinely i was jumping about the living room for about two minutes until then the shortness spread at me again but by, by, <laughs> by that point by the fact that i'd finished the dog walk that was that honestly i felt unreal as part of it and actually it really did just help drive home that the the perception of wins is going to be different to everyone 
and yeah. it does not belittle it does not dismiss the achievements of another because everything is relative but it's relative to you it doesn't really matter at all what the people are doing and if you celebrate your wins as part of your personal brand the world will recognize that you are a winner no mm. matter what amazing absolutely amazing peter jenkins thank you very much mate and what a great well, start well. to our little quarterly co-host you want to give a quick um summary of what we're going to talk about next um month uh, yeah of course yeah so uh, next month we're going to be having a chat about our program so how do we brand our health and safety initiatives how do we brand our programs how can we defeat base perceptions of health and safety oh jesus health and safety we've been doing oh no boring dollars at that and how can we ultimately make sure that we're getting the outcomes and outputs from those initiatives? So there's some good ideas we're going to talk about with branding, give you some examples of what I've done before with branding, some of the tools that I've used, the type of people that I've engaged with, the type of experiences that I've gained through literally just speaking with people and trying to get different perceptions of how to do safety from not a safety source and how actually that cognitive diversity can really help improve our brands, our initiatives and our outcomes. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, I will put your LinkedIn profile in the description so people can connect with you. Uh, I assume that's all right. Yeah, please, by all means. Awesome. And um, we shall see you next month, mate. Thank you very much for the first episode of the Courtly Co-House. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much as well, James. You take care. We'll speak to you soon. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was the first episode of The Quarterly Co-Host. And like Peter said, we're going to be talking about brand. We're going to be talking about personal brand, program brand, and then we're going to be talking about profession brand, which is really interesting. And as you're pretty, uh, pretty aware, I'm going to be looking forward to that last one that last one that's why we started Rebranding Safety, the brand of our profession. So really looking forward to that. Hope you enjoyed this first episode. Um, don't forget to connect with Peter. His links uh, to his, uh, I nearly said MySpace then. Oh, then were the days. LinkedIn is in the description below. All of my socials in the description below. Risk Fluent websites in the description below. Everything you need in the description below. I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.